This is Bridging the Gap with Love, Episode 13, Grief, Part 2. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about our own stories and experiences with adoption, while hoping to provide education and support for birth moms, potential birth moms, and anyone with a connection to adoption. Welcome to today's episode. This is a continuation of an episode that we just did previously about grief. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about how I processed grief um, early on, uh, right after I placed Alex. And then Jessica will also talk about her part and how she processed grief early on when uh, they discovered that they were dealing with infertility. So early on, I feel like I did maybe not me, but they, they as in my caseworker, who was also my therapist, um, Charm and Susan Smith, the the couple that I was living with at the time, um, other people in that area were, did a really good job of making sure that I was getting involved right away with group therapy, getting, doing my own therapy and all of that kind of stuff. And so that was really important. Um, I was doing group therapy a week or two before I placed Alex. And then right after I placed Alex, I literally went right back in and went right back into that group therapy, which was so helpful, I think, in the middle of my grief of the loss of just handing my baby over to another couple to raise. And also at that time was the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. And so Charm and Susan did a really good job of making sure that we were busy. We were going to Olympic events. We went to a my first hockey game, which was USA versus China women. USA killed them. It was an awesome game. It was really fun. I was sitting there on my little donut and just because I had just had a baby and um, I walked a little bit slower, but that's what it was at the time. And my mom was there with me. I also remember seeing Christy, no, Christy Yamaguchi. Mm -hmm. She was a big time ice skater at that time. And uh, so we just went and did like things at Olympic Village, all of these fun things. And they just wanted to keep me involved and like doing things. And I'm really grateful for that because honestly, I didn't want to sit at home and be sad because I probably would have if, you know, a lot of us, if we're allowed to just sit in our thoughts, we get kind of sad and lonely and I didn't want to do that. And so they did a really good job of just keeping me busy. And my mom was there for about a week um, until after I placed Alex, because if you remember, if we go back to episode two, my I was living in Utah when I had Alex. That was my choice. My parents didn't send me there. It was just my choice. I wanted to go and get out of my small town that I lived in. And I lived with a family, Charmin Susan Smith, and they had two adopted boys. So it was really awesome to see that whole other side of adoption. And I just fit in with their family. It felt like I'd known them forever. And so my mom was there with me for about a week after I placed. And we just did all these fun things together. And there was uh, times where I would get really sad. And there was specifically one night where, you know, I went to bed and it, some for some reason, your mind wanders a lot at night, you know, when you're thinking right before you fall asleep. And I just lost it. I just started playing over in my head, you know, Alex and how beautiful she was and how tiny she was and that I just handed her over to someone else to raise. And although I was very firm in my decision and I felt very um, comfortable with my decision, I was still very sad. And that big, huge wave of grief overtook me and I had to go crawl in bed with my mom and I just sobbed and she held me. And so I just remember just feeling very uh, comforted by her at that time. 
I think something that helped me with my grief at that time was that I was in control of my own decision. I made the decision to place Alex for adoption. And so although it was hard and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do and I hope to ever have to go through, I was able to kind of process my grief a little bit like this was a good decision and this was the decision that you made. And so you can be sad and you can feel all of those feelings, but also like what now? What's next? And so I was able to get a job, you know, a few weeks after I placed and I was working eight, nine hours a day and I was just keeping myself busy and I listened to music and just focus on my job. It was a warehouse job so I could listen to music and I just kept myself busy Um, and I was able to really be able to stand on my own two feet knowing that what the decision that I had just made was my decision and nobody else's and that kind of helped me process my grief a little bit. I just think it's interesting to think about the ways that our grief is different because, you know, for a couple going through infertility, we're not like grieving the loss of an actual child that's been born into this world that we've had the opportunity to meet and to hold. It's kind of, you almost can't wrap your head around the grief that you experience because it's it's not quite as, um, I don't know. Tangible. Tangible. Um, which I don't, it's just different. Yeah. And it's also kind of like what you were saying, our grief wasn't our choice. It was something that was just, I mean, the way Jared and I have dealt with it is it's just one of the things that happens on this earthly life. We just deal with things on our bodies that don't always work. And so it wasn't our choice. And so I think it's just interesting to think about the ways that um, our grief was different. Um and I, I'm sure that affected the way that we processed it and the way other infertile couples and potential adoptive couples process their grief. I feel really grateful looking back that Jared and I didn't feel angry at Heavenly Father. We didn't, our blame wasn't turned towards him. And I also feel really grateful that my blame wasn't turned towards Jared um, as the partner in our relationship that was infertile. And I, I really believe looking back now that, that, he- that Heavenly Father and the Holy Ghost were a part of this process for us, that they were guiding us, impressing us with thoughts that helped us to deal and, and process our grief in a healthy way. Um, so I'm not going to take credit for all of that, but... I know that there are so many couples that have really internalized this loss, this grief of infertility, and wondered what they could have done differently or what they did wrong or why they deserve this awful, you know, sentencing of not being able to grow your family in this traditional, conventional way. Um, And I know couples that have also felt really a lot of anger and resentment and bitterness towards, you know, God or the universe or whatever. And, um, you know, that's that's a part of grief, too, um, and a very valid part of others' grief. It wasn't a part of the grief that Jared and I experienced, um, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, anger, bitterness, resentment are all things that um, that can happen when you're grieving. And I, I remember Jared and I probably making a pretty deliberate decision early on. Again, something that I feel like we were blessed with through the Holy Ghost, that we were not going to become bitter, that we were not going to become uh, resentful towards each other, towards the insensitive comments that other people made, and towards our Father in Heaven. And that's really blessed, not only that specific time in our lives, but so many experiences since then. Yeah, 
I love that. I think as natural human beings, we want somebody to blame because then it makes sense, right? And if we can't blame somebody or something, then it's like, well, then what am I going to do with this, right? Finding a a reason kind of helps people process, but sometimes there's no reasons. Like sometimes it just is what it is and there's no reason behind, you know, what you're dealing with at the time. But I love that you said that you made a choice to not be bitter or angry or upset at anybody and just kind of, you know, taking those next steps of being able to process, okay, now what's next, right? And so for me, it was kind of processing you know, I want to become the person that Alex wants to meet someday. For me, that was kind of an end goal. And I think that that helped me with my grief to not go down a different path. Because again, naturally, we talked about this last week that, you know, people can, um, you know, overeat, not eat at all, not sleep, you know, go to different substances that might help them cope because that's how they cope. And I think for me, it really helped me to know this end goal. Okay, I really, really want to meet her someday. In my mind at that time, it was 21 because that was the state of the state of Utah. They would have released my information at the age of 21 when she was 21. And so I kept thinking, okay, 21 years from now, I want to be the person that she will want to meet and that she will be proud of so that she can say, this is Heidi, my birth mom. And I'm like proud of her. You know, little did I know that I would get to see her, you know, throughout her life periodically, you know, one time at five and then 13 and every year since then from, you know, from age 13. But I really think that it helped me focus. Okay, what are my next steps? I want to go back and go to college. I want to eventually get married. I want to eventually have, you know, babies again and be able to raise them. I want all of these things. So what steps do I take? And how will I have this grief instead of bringing me down? How is it going to fuel me to get me to where I wanted to be? And it's actually this, it's a really weird, like full circle moment because as we record this, I'm we're getting ready to go to Bear Lake uh, with my family and Alex and her family. And we're it's just going to be one big happy, I hope happy, it'll be happy, one big family reunion. But I'm just really excited. It's just this really weird feeling of, you know, she is now 20. And I got to have all these experiences with her before. But I really do think that that helped me. And I do think that she would say that she is proud of me. She hasn't said that yet because, I don't know, when do you say like, oh, I'm proud of my birth mom? It's just she, I think in the relationship that we have, that has proven to me that I am somebody that she wants to know and that um, she wants to love and have this relationship with. And that has made all of that grief and pain worth it because I just, I had an end goal focus. And not that it's really even an end goal because now I feel like the fun just gets to begin and we get to build on this relationship. I just think that's so interesting. Um to hear your story and to think about how it might differ from couples that are struggling with infertility or adoptive couples. Um, You know, I, I, I just think it's so cool that you had so much control and you had so much empowerment over your life um, and what was going to happen next. And for some adoptive couples, they don't feel like that. We don't have control over family planning. Even after Jared and I found out that we wouldn't be having children and we decided to adopt, that is just kind of this, it's ambiguous. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen. You can put yourself out there and have failed adoptions. And so there's, there is a lot of uncertainty. And I think sometimes that can make that type of grief really hard to, to wrestle with because 
I don't know, it just doesn't seem to have boundaries of time and place and when and how. And, um, you know, for Jared and I, we, um, we finished up with our schooling. Jared prepared for medical school. We both started working full-time jobs and just kind of waited for the next step and knowing that it was outside of our control and needing to like trust and rely in Heavenly Father and his plan for our family. And um, I'm grateful for those times of uncertainty in my life because I've gotten pretty comfortable with that place of just not really knowing how it's going to work out, um, but trusting that Heavenly Father has our back. And that served us really well and prepared us for our family now. But that's kind of one of the one of the upsides of grief is um, learning to to trust in yourself and your own ability to impact your life and also um, trust in our Heavenly Father and in his plan and in his goodness and that he wants good things for our life. And that's happened for us. Even when it's finding out they're going to have twins at the beginning of medical school. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple other things that I did during that time. I was working full time, which was not my dream job. I was, I had been in school kind of hoping and waiting to get pregnant and that didn't happen. So I was not able to evade the workforce. I had to go to work full time. And because I had a degree in European studies, which turns out isn't very marketable, I was a receptionist. After receiving my, you know, bachelor's degree, I went to be a receptionist and it wasn't a super fulfilling job for me, honestly. And so because I had, you weren't in Europe. That's right. Maybe <laughs> if I was in France, it would have been a little bit more exciting. But I was a receptionist, so I had a lot of time on my hands and I started writing a blog. And this ended up being something that I did for a couple of years. And even until we adopted the girls and once they started crawling and walking, I, I stopped because yeah. I was my life was very full. But I look back on that and realize that that was a really helpful outlet for me. I, It's how I shared our news with our family members and friends that were kind of rooting for us on the, in this process. It's how I kind of learned to process my own thoughts and feelings and articulate the things that I was going through and keep our family up to date about where we were at and, and what we were doing um, with infertility and with the adoption process. So I think it was really helpful for me to have that outlet to process my thoughts and feelings. It's now a private blog, so you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> but I love that you have it. Yeah, and you can you. always go back and access that. I think that that's important. I actually also kept a journal at that time, and I will go back and read. You know, I, I'm not a very good journal keeper. I wish I was. But at that time, I was, my therapist was very much like, Write down your feelings, write down what you're, how you're kind of going through that. And that I think really helped me process because it put what was feeling in my mind down on paper. And now I can look back on that and be like, oh, wow, like I was going through a lot or I, I have come a long way because I think sometimes because it's 20 years ago, I forget a lot of the pain and the raw feelings that I was having. But if I go back and read that, it's a, it's a really good reminder that I've come a long way. I just think um, it's really interesting to juxtapose our two experiences with grief, the grief of a birth mother, the grief of an adoptive mom, you know, someone who struggled with infertility. Um, they are different, but they're both so valid and beautiful, and they've taught us so many incredible things. So I just think it's really interesting to kind of come together and realize like, wow, grief is so universal, but the way we experienced it was different. And... Um, and that's okay. And I think what's interesting, I just had the thought that my grief came when a an adoptive mom's story begins with having a baby, right? So maybe that 
maybe you, you still feel grief sometimes about not being able to have your own, but our grief was kind of on opposite sides, right? Like I had that grief when you were beginning a family. Not And for those of you who might just be joining us, uh, Jessica did not adopt Alex. I, that kind of made it sound like that's what it was. But if you look at it from an adoptive mom's perspective, or adoptive parents, and then a birth mom or birth parents, it's kind of this beautiful, messy, op- opposite yep. type of grief. Yeah, I remember when I was sharing my story in episode three, I was mindful of the fact that the phone calls that were me and Jared's like greatest news, like most exciting, hopeful moments, because we found out we could be parents also represented so much pain and the grief and potential loss that um, our kids birth moms were facing and that they had wrestled with that decision and that choice in order for us to feel like we could build our family. And so I just think it's really helpful, especially if you're navigating an open adoption relationship to hear both sides of this grief, because it helps me recognize like that our pain was different and I can relate to it, but it's just still still so helpful to hear what it was like for you, because I think it can help us to be really sensitive to oh, yeah. the pain and grief and loss that um, those in this adoption triad have, have experienced. Yes. I love that we, you know, we're, we both dealt with grief and in different ways, but that that grief, that pain is still universal. So we did look up um, a few articles and there was an, an article on AmericanAdoptions.com and we'll post the link in the show notes. And they talked a little bit about, actually this whole article is about grief and it's coping with adoption grief. And I think that it kind of covered, you know, birth mom grief, but if this is the article that I remember, but also I think that you could plug in anybody that's dealt with grief and just kind of plug yourself in. And so it kind of gave these four processes. I don't really like to call them steps because I feel like once you step on it or you're in that, it doesn't mean that it's gone. It goes away. It's still, it's like a process, right? So the first one was accept the reality of the loss. So just, you know, coming to terms with that decision has been made or whatever it is you're going through that it's already said and done right? And then work through the pain of grief. This one is so important because I think sometimes it's natural for people to avoid and they don't want to feel. And feeling your feelings is so important. Um, Even the happy ones. I remember sometimes feeling guilty that I was like happy, but it also gave me an inside look of like, oh, I remember what being happy is and I'm still allowed to be happy, even though I also have times of sadness. So working through that pain of grief. Um, Number three, adjust to the new environment and new reality, which I think that we both did a pretty good job of this. You know, I got involved right away um, going and doing fun things and I started a new job. And, you know, and Jessica, you guys, you know, you you decided, you know, next step is going to be, you know, this adoption and what that all looks like. And you were still working, you know, just kind of adjusting to a new the new reality. And then number four, allow yourself the space to think about adoption and move forward. So, well, that that's the one that you guys did. You've done all these, but um, so I allowed myself to, you know, I was still going to therapy. I didn't stop just because the placement was done. We talked about adoption a lot. We talked about, you know, everything that that entailed. And I also was able to, like I said before, move forward and figure out, okay, what are my next steps? past this. And I think that if you do those three, those four things, accept the reality of the loss, work through the pain of grief, 
adjust to the new environment and new reality, allow yourself the space to think about adoption and move forward. Those things will help. And again, not that it's a checklist, but it just is a great way for you to process grief uh, when it comes to adoption and be able to uh, work through that and move forward, not move on, but moving forward. And just knowing that it is now a part of who you are and whatever side of it you're on and just kind of like sit in it and be and be proud of, you know, where you are and how far along you've come, you know, no matter how fresh it is. Um, If you or, you know, someone you know or is dealing with this grief and they just need somebody to talk to, because I think that that really helped Jessica and I both was to just talk to people, especially people who knew what we felt like. Please reach out to us. We are so happy to talk to people, to talk to you, whether it's through uh, text messaging, chat, you know, messenger, or even a phone call, we are more than happy to just kind of chat. But just know that wherever you are in this grief process, that your feelings are valid and um, that you can do it. All right, guys, thanks so much. 